currently, I don't have cable anymore, so I, I've only seen this through the NB, the very robust NBA discourse on threads. It's called the NBA in-league conference tournament. What is In-season tournament is the phrase that you're thinking of. Do you know why I'm asking about this? You want to know what it is and why it exists? No. Uh, then no. I would like to know about that, but the reason I'm asking is these bananas court. Oh, that that was my next situation. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I had it in the doc. I think I might have linked to. There's a, there's um, what's his name? Uh, slash JW. Josh Williams. Uh, he's he's a really good follow for Bay Area stuff, but also NBA stuff. As somebody who's an outsider, uh, he had yeah he had a good link to there was like a multi view of somebody watching four different um in in league tournament games on YouTube TV uh-huh. and lot, I guess a lot of color. The, there's a lot of color yeah and I assume it's only that way for social media reasons right. Um, well, let's get into it. So, yeah, so there's this whole in-season tournament thing. I guess maybe we can talk about the details of it if we get there, but... Well, briefly, what what is it? This is, is this the regular season? Do these games count towards the 82 or 90 games you play in a regular season? Yes, they do. Then why does, why is this different than the regular season? So the NBA has had an issue for some time where, well, okay, so let's back up. problem is the season's too long 82 games is is too many games major but, league baseball has entered the chat <laughs> it, yes baseball has exactly the same problem the issue though is that owners are never in a million years going to agree to reduce those number of games because that's you know less money in in their pockets then so instead of sort of doing probably the best thing which would be just shortening the season the nba has to go about tackling its sort of interest in the entire season a different way and and specifically that the problem historically has been this this time period that we're in now from october basically through christmas there tends to not be a ton of interest in the regular season by fans <clears throat> and by players, although that the players part is a little more complicated. Um, and so, and you know, that's because like football's happening and again, like the season's too long. So like what happens in the first 20 games tends to not be a priority for, for anybody. I mean, there's even like sort of a joke, not joke in NBA circles that the season doesn't actually start until Christmas and so as a way of, you know, trying to get fans, players, everybody more interested in this part of the season that otherwise is not all that engaging, they've created this in-season tournament thing. But, but I guess like, the part I'm not understanding, so that I get, but what is the tournament aspect of it if these are basically regular season games? Yes, yeah, so the tournament aspect of it is the 30 teams, i got to check my math to make sure I do this right. The the 30 teams were broken up into, I think it's, um, what is it here? It's, it's 
So I sent so I sent you a link to ESPN that I mainly linked to because I wanted to see what the the courts looked like. But apparently they're broken up to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, and they're broken into clusters of five teams each. So A, B, and C on each half of the U.S. Right. So they're okay. Yeah. So the, it's it's six groups of five teams. That that that's how that math works. Um. So then the first the first stage which is the stage that we're in now is a group play stage where each team in each group plays each other once and then the team with the best record in group play then advances to pl- and and plus one additional team from each conference who has the the best group play record who didn't win their group so like basically like two wild cards they all go to the quarterfinal which then becomes single elimination through the final so following so far yeah but i'm i'm more just curious what is at stake and is is there a reward at the end of this like, do, there, you, do you do you win some like sorry is the is the season so how many games is this going to be so okay so when it, when every team's schedule was released this year instead of having 82 games it only had 80 games scheduled because what's going to happen is these four group play games that everybody's playing those just you know those count towards the regular season but then once the group play stage is over there's going to be kind of a fork in the road where teams that didn't advance out of the group stage, they still need to get to 82 games. So what's going to happen there is all the teams that didn't make it out of the group stage are going to get assigned two additional games against each other to then you know get to their 82 for the season. The teams that make it to the quarterfinal will then play each other. And then the teams that don't make it out of that are going to have to have another game assigned to them to get to 82. And then the teams that make it to um, the, or the, the, and then the, um, God, this is so confusing to explain. Um, the teams that do make it to the semifinal, they, they have now, you know, played their, what'll be like their 80, second game so they won't need any additional games assigned and then the two teams that make it to the final that just becomes essentially an 83rd game for those teams that does not count towards the regular season so it's just the final game of the tournament that doesn't count towards the regular season and what's at stake there to answer your other question is the nba cup which is the trophy that the winning team wins and then each player wins. I think it's like half a million bucks. Wait, fuck, fuck that. Wait, who, why, why would anybody care about that? It's a, it's a great question. And, it's, it's, no, the, and <laughs> it's the number one critique of the premise of the tournament. I mean, I'm where, sorry. It, was, was, there any, was there any concern that people were like, no, they need more money? So where this is probably going to go is they're probably going to get, assuming this sticks around, they're probably going to get to a place where they figure out a way to make some of these games worth like two regular season wins instead of one, something like that. 
and then and then they'll 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 go with that. So it becomes real stakes that makes a lot more sense than just money. But I think I think there was probably too much hesitancy to immediately do something like that. And instead they want to do this a little more incrementally. That that's that's been what I've sort of heard on some MBA podcasts and stuff that I listen to. Has the league given any like is what's his name? Adam Silver? Is he out there? Like have they thought like when when two years ago in the in the MLB when they thought like, hey, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do the pitch clock, we're gonna do these rule tweaks to help make the game more fast paced and lively. I mean, even though baseball is, is is like watching paint dry still, unless the Giants are winning. Like what were was the NBA out there touting it like as this is gonna be a big thing that revolutionizes the NBA? Or is this a thing like cause this I'm kind of keyed into sports and this only came across my radar when everybody was posting these pictures of like like just ultra HDR crazy courts that like are searing your retinas basically. Well, so I think part of the well I answer I'll answer your second question first. I think part of the issue or your second point. Part of the issue is that this this all came together pretty fast. I think I think this wasn't signed off as a finalized concept until I think it was less than a year ago. And the courts all came together really late. I think that the concept for these wasn't finalized until like over the summer. So this has like been a very not last minute but but also not like super far out planned in advanced sort of thing. So that's I think that's a big reason why it hasn't, you know, come across your desk. Um in terms of like what like Adam Silver's been saying, I mean he's he's a big he's a big soccer fan and he you know kind of makes that known. And <laughs> Does this he have the this wrong job? Wait, what, I, I I don't get that. <laughs> well, so that this this is what all this is what all the soccer leagues do. Like whenever you look at any of any of the European soccer leagues, all of the teams are in addition to playing in their league, well, they're also playing in I think with with a lot of those teams it's actually like various tournaments like within the season as well. So I guess let me let me ask or let me make it like an actual like good faith argument or to what to what you just said. So at that point, are you saying that he's a fan of soccer like as a business or he thinks there's th- like does he speak publicly and say there's stuff that like the Premier League and that European soccer does that they think could be imported into basketball, or how, how does that link together? I I think he I think he would say it's both. I think he would say that okay. it's going to be financially beneficial to the league, and it's also going to be beneficial in the sense that it's going to get it's going to generate more interest, specifically to a part of the season where historically interest has been at its lowest. Got it. Because that that was always the thing in our household, which is that the 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 NBA season didn't start until the Lakers played their Christmas game. So that that actually does extremely, yeah, very and that, very, and very much resonates. And that, and that and that's totally a, a that, that that's exactly the driving force behind this. I mean, the the final game of this of the tournament is I think like December 9th. So it basically, you know, it basically spans the part of the season that you know gets you to um to Christmas. And then the other thing that the NBA is doing here too is the semifinal games and then the final game are in Las Vegas. 
So all of the other games, group play games and the quarterfinal games, those are all just, you know, in the home arenas of the various teams. But then those last two rounds are in Las Vegas. And within the next handful of years, the NBA is going to have a team in Vegas. And so this is a way to, to you know, establish themselves a bit um, in that city. Are they going to play in the sphere? <laughs> um, that would be pretty cool. It would not. I. We've talked about how much I I loathe. I I dislike Las Vegas, and that seems like the encapsulation of everything I hate about Las Vegas. <laughs> and apparently, also like because Las Vegas, Las Vegas seems kind of like hell, and it feels it feels very much like West Coast Florida. And isn't everybody also mad about some Formula One thing that's making life unlivable in Las Vegas too? Uh, well, yeah, there's the there's the F1 race this weekend, which is the first time that they're doing that. And yeah, it sounds sounds yeah, like not, lives... not the best time to be there. Yeah. Or the people that actually live there who have like always tolerated that like the Las Vegas Strip is just kind of like international waters and just kind of exists uh, to like ruin their lives. It's it's way worse now. Well, I think it's I mean, it's yeah, people who live there first and foremost and also anybody who's visited there the last month or two has shown up and it's just like there's a bunch of like fencing and like the let me tell you about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and like the you know there's a there's a water show in front of the hotels the bellagio what's um, a water show you've you've seen you've seen oceans 11 i'm you know what the water show in front of the bellagio is um, like a fountain yeah like that's oh, been just like that's okay. been shut off for the last month or two in preparation. So like, there's, you know, even as a even as a visitor, you show up and you're like, like what the hell is this? Well, I think that's basically the default reaction to Las Vegas, but <laughs> never been, never will be. Actually, sorry, that is a lie. I did, unfortunately, once have to uh, drive through Nevada and I stayed at an Airbnb in the Las Vegas suburbs, but I did make sure to never touch the, the bad part. Hmm. But to going back, but to round up the NBA stuff, like the courts are crazy, mm-hmm. or like, yeah, or the, do you think they're good? So overall, I'm I'm into the idea of the in season tournament. I like I like the concept of it. I like the problem that it's trying to solve. I think I think the the stakes are wrong. I think giving the players more money and a trophy is dumb. I I think they'll figure that out in the long run. So I'm I'm willing to work with the nba on that but I, I do i do like the concept i like the format um but no the courts are terrible the courts are like really really Aww. bad i it, it, on this espn um article um which we'll we'll put in the notes when you as you scroll down where they have the the screenshots of, of the individual courts the sun's court is the second one and the the Lakers' first in-season tournament game, which was last week, was against the Suns. And, oh boy, that court was, was really bad. Like, legitimately, like, as just a TV viewer, like, it just was just not, not good. Were you watching on the good TV or the, or the okay TV? Maybe you needed maybe you needed OLED to make it really pop. <laughs> I was not watching it on the OLED, no. So, um, these 
here's the, I actually don't mind these. Like a lot of the highlights I was seeing, the part that like did hurt my eyes was I was seeing, I think I saw a Trailblazers game and a Bulls game. And I think the red is like aggressively like hurt, hurts your retinas. But I think some of these are cool. I, so I think, I actually think they're close. I like the trophy in the middle. I like that a lot of teams had a little bit of fun with the logo that they put in the middle. A lot of them used like one of their alternate logos, which which I like. Um, I like that they're also all very similar to each other. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I just don't like the solid coloring on most of them. They They need to figure out a way to... I don't know if they just need I don't know if they need to call up Tim Cook and get like the Apple color team to Nobody, come in and do like a pastel y no. kind of thing or what. No, but, they don't. Um they just they, some of these colors are just they're just they're too much, as the kids say. I actually well, a few things. One, n- nobody needs to be call needs to be calling Tim Cook. We'll cover that later. I think the Celtics have the colors I actually think I like the least for a major sports team, but I think the Celtics court looks actually very, very. Pleasant. I watched one of part of one of their games last week too, and I, I, I also didn't, I didn't like that court on TV either. But the Lakers one reminds you that it's still played at the Crypto.com Arena, so that's that's a plus. Um, I guess to round this out, uh, what was? Oh, the, I have one final question. What is the thing? Some is this is this just the Brooklyn Nets, or are there sometimes games where like they have like a monochrome court? Uh, that you know the, what I mean. The, the, I or is do that know, just I, the Nets. I, I do know what you mean. I mean, I mean NBA teams for um, I forget when they started doing this. It's been a handful of years now. Have had like alternate courts that they they bring out. Um, so I, I don't know if more than one team has this, but definitely the Brooklyn Nets have, yeah, like a, a monochrome look that they use sometimes. I think the, I think it's called the city Jersey concept. I actually like that a lot. Yeah. So, so that, that's the other, so the other thing that they're doing with the, the tournament games is so that the home team has their, you know, different court, of course. And then they also have different jerseys that they wear, that they only wear for, home in-season tournament games yeah i don't think the san francisco one is very good though or the golden state warriors one but yeah see i that one i actually don't mind as much because it's not as in your face with the colors but the like the whole like it, it looks like a cable car like is it like the wacky uh wavy font is yeah mm. eh, anyway uh actually i will send you a link for the show notes of the SB Nation uh, thing on the city jerseys. All right, uh, let's let's uh, have a tight show. So let's let's blaze through some other things. So I want to get a quick. I, I don't know if this was going to be a chef special or not that I'm pulling forward, but I do want to know. So a lot of stuff's happening in Marin right now, um, where you guys just got a souvla at the Mart. So take Smart to the Mart, or take the ferry to the Mart, wherever you got to wherever you got to go. I mean, yeah, San Francisco, uh, they got APEC and everything, but I mean, come on, man. Marin we, is actually where it's really happening. Well, and we also have five souvlis, but it's it's fine. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing fine. Um, but, and also one, I think this is actually a previous chef special for me. There is a, uh, there was a, I think it's two years old at this point now, but there's a, in Oakland, there's a great bagel shop that 
tries to do are are these supposed to be authentic new york or east coast bagels or is it yep yeah exactly um and it's in the telegraph district of oakland and it's very 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 good and uh one of those just opened up on magnolia avenue uh next to um pariah the show i don't know but next next to equator uh about a stone's throw down from pico um a, a favorite of the podcast and of buster posey so i want to know you you had a chance to try it and uh yeah i want to get a quick take on it you so you didn't actually say the name of it i said Boychik. oh you did i, I missed yeah. it because I, I that's how i thought you pronounced it but i hadn't heard anybody say it out loud yet <laughs> so, am i pronouncing it wrong no i i think that's probably okay. right okay um it was really good yeah so they um obviously have bagels that you know you you purchase and can eat right there or take home or whatever they have um bagel sandwiches that they do you can just get cream cheese um all all kind of the traditional bagel stuff and then the other thing that they do which i thought was pretty neat is they just have a big freezer where they've got six packs of their bagels uh frozen that you can then also take home to save for for later and i guess they sell them in stores and stuff too um at, yeah you can get at, these at berkeley bowl yeah. yeah yeah um so when i went we we did both we got some bagels for to eat for lunch and then got a six pack uh frozen six pack to to bring home and yeah it was really good i, I had just a a plain bagel with chive cream cheese for lunch um and then i with that six pack six pack of frozen bagels that i brought home i also got a small little thing of their um seasonal cream cheese which is currently um like apple ginger maple um and i actually i I tried that Mm. this morning and it was was really 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 good how what's the what's the smallest uh serving that it comes in and how much was it it's an eight ounce tub Um, under six dollars under six is worth a gamble I, I forget I forget how much I forget how much it was. The the total walking out of there for three bagels for lunch, the six pack of frozen bagels and the tub of cream cheese was definitely more than I thought it was gonna be. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure how that cost all broke down between those different things, but um yeah, it it was good. I mean, um it I, I, both with the bagel that I ate there on Monday and the bagel I ate this morning, it was just the, the, the plain ones. So I haven't tried any of their other bagels yet, but the, the six pack that I bought, I think the other five bagels are like other flavors. So I'll try those, but yeah, I mean, it was, was, was good. And the, 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 both cream cheeses I've had were, were probably my favorite part. All right. Okay. So if you're in Marin, give it a shot yeah um yeah and also just a reminder for everybody the correct ranking of bagel flavors is sesame then everything then plain and nothing else i like cinnamon raisin spoken like somebody who likes crumble cookies how dare you they keep i don't follow them but the, the algorithm keeps putting them in my threads and i don't enjoy it they're 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 trying to be weird on threads and i don't think i don't think uh millennials oh, and gen z is really very much yeah like, their their social media well, actually i mean their instagram is i would say a pretty straight shooter but yeah they do get a little weird on well formerly twitter um now threads yeah no they're, they're, they're well they're a little weird okay well 
people, the good people on Twitter are moving over to threads, but no, Twitter has not become threads. Oh, well, yeah, I, I phrased Twitter's that poorly, net. but you know what I mean. Um, cool. And then the only other thing I bring this up for. So again, when you're over there, you can actually, I'm, so I'm not sure I have a beef or like a, a, a war against Equator cafes. Definitely still everybody, please hold the line on boycotting uh, Equator coffee in stores. But yeah, if you do have to get an, uh, get a latte from the Queen of Next Door, I'm sure it's fine. But the only reason I bring that up is that I, so again, have have beef with Equator shrinkflationing um, their in-store coffee. Normally, when you go to the local coffee aisle uh, at the Whole Foods or Berkeley Bowl, you will see 12-ounce bags. Uh, Equator in tiny, tiny print up. Uh, Put out ten and a half bag, uh, ten and a half ounce bags, and hoped nobody would notice. The only reason I bring this up is I was at the Berkeley Bowl recently, and uh, Highwire Coffee uh, out of Oakland, California. Can you tell me what uh, if you can zoom into this photo? What what size are these bags? <laughs> Net weight of is it is it three hundred and ten is GM grams? I'm an American, Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> is it but isn't isn't grams normally just a g am, am, am i that's actually that's a good point too it's bad <laughs> for that reason too i mean it's, it, so, it, it it is though right g the gm is is grams I, yeah it's weird yeah. uh-huh so <laughs> that was I, I was like okay that's weird like are they just trying to be like are they trying to be like out hipstery the hipsters i, I actually was and, gonna say i thought I, I thought a coffee snob like you would actually maybe no a, i do know because this. well because you maybe. don't you know exactly if, I do. If, if somebody yeah somebody tells you this bag's 310 grams you go boom that's I don't. 30 pulls I, of espresso or something i don't because i'm not smart <laughs> i i know exactly how much so when, when i'm making coffee i grind up 19 grams of coffee and hope for a 25 to 30 second instra- extraction time that yields 38 grams Three, of liquid. 310 divided by 19. Boom. Six, 16 pulls of coffee in this bag. What, what more do you need to know? Oh, uh, what I want to know is how does this compare to the other stuff on the shelf? Because this is some <laughs> bullshit. Because what is, uh, so let's go, let's go to Google or let's, let's, this is probably the well, one actually, only thing that's, this is not, probably the only thing that Siri can actually do is let's how, what, what is 310 grams in ounces, Ryan? Well, so not, not is to, it, not to, um, I don't know what what phrase I should come up with here. Not 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 to try to like invalidate your point, but but literally in your picture here, the one of the coffees no, that's no. on the shelf above has both ounces and grams listed. So. But they have it in American. No, <laughs> they only have it in grams. Yeah, why no, would that I, be, Ryan? Why uh, would that be? Oh, because you- because three hundred ten grams in ounces is 11 ounces whereas everything else on the shelf mm. is 12 ounces so they're using the metric system to trick you mm. and i don't care for that at all i expect more from the east bay no no okay that's even yeah, though I re- that's fair that, no that's so yeah my my point here this was this was a long winding road to get to the point as generally every episode as, of this as, show as, as we proven. like to do yep <laughs> um my point here was not against the metric system even though the met- I, I acknowledge it's better, but I liquids measured in ounces. Let's let's everything else can be in 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 metric, but no, it, it's it's ounces. Uh, yeah, th- this is this is BS shrinkflation. So n- n- at first it was Marin. The, the only honest 
part of the Bay Area in terms of coffee, apparently, or that's unimpeachable is San Francisco. Ritual, Sight Glass, um, everybody else is still doing ounces. But in Oakland, apparently, the way you hide that you're skimming 8% off of what people think they're getting is by putting it in metric. I don't care for that. I do appreciate that at least the Berkeley Bowl, like most California supermarkets will put um, on the price tag what is like the cost per ounce and they all put so they they did the conversion for you and let you know that it's 11 ounces instead of 12 ounces on the tag mm. yeah oh i see. don't yeah, care I for see that, that at all now. thumbs down hmm. all right um oh man is this all me Ugh. uh real quick i so there was a quick story that hit the internet yesterday i think of a bunch of rivian vehicles got bricked from or they didn't get bricked but the infotainment system is broken and unrecoverable due to like a security certificate signing issue the cars are still drivable but yeah navigation the like it's, it's just the center screen and the like uh gear cluster all literally all it shows on a bricked car is the miles per hour the only reason i bring this up is didn't you have a situation where your car became inoperable when there was a software update Oh, oh, I sure did. So this story was a bit triggering for me. Um, I mean, in in my situation, though, my car was not drivable. Like my my car did not did not move out of park. When when, can you can you just give like a ninety second re recap of what that was? Because I forgot that was like three years ago. Oh no, it was longer than that. It was way back in twenty eighteen. It was. either two or three weeks after I got my Model 3. So it was brand new. You've, you've um, had that car five years? Yeah, hard to believe, right? Woof. Um, yeah, July 2018. Um, and it was either the first or maybe, I think it was the second over-the-year update I had gotten since I had gotten the car. And about, I don't know, 15 minutes into it or so, instead of getting the push notification on my phone, I get a push notification that says software update failed. And I went, huh, all right. Well, that's weird. Um, and then go out to the car and there's there's basically just like nothing I can do. I, I can't remember exactly like what it said on the screen or like what my options were. Um, but, you know, I, I called up customer support and I... My thought was like, oh, for sure, they're going to be able just to like fix this over the air. Um, but they're, you know, eventually they got to the point where like, no, we've got to like send somebody out. And I'm like, well, this person who's coming out can just fix it, right? It's like, no, we're going to have to actually tow it to a service center. And that's that's what they did. So they they, they literally had to tow it out of my driveway. Yeah, it was not Amazing. great. But in the however many dozens of software updates I've had since then, they've all been fine. Yeah, maybe maybe BMW is protecting me from myself and the fact that they uh, don't do over-the-air software updates and refuse to update my car software without me paying $200 an hour for labor. Uh, so there's, there, it's two, ones, uh, two, two sides of the same coin of everything being terrible, I guess. Um, and again, you're anti-Rivian. Uh, no, not not anti Rivian. I I don't care for the look of the truck, and I would say the look of the, <laughs> the, SUV, the two SUV, cars they make you don't like. 
Well, the, I would say the look of the SUV, I, I've come around on a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm not a fan of the headlights. And I know that that's like their thing, but like, I it just, I, I don't like the way the headlights look. Yeah, I think they're, they're cute. They're very, they're very distracting. They're very cute. Real adorable. Real, real, real Pixar-y. I do, I do kind of look, I do like the look of the, the Amazon trucks that they make though. They're, they're so goofy that. You can, you can buy one now. Oh, really? <laughs> or they, the exclusivity window, uh, for amazon specifically uh is over so i don't think you can buy one as an end user so it's not like a um like a ford transit connect or something but you can now and i think the pricing on it was like it was pretty reasonable uh it's just the range on them is not very good but i mean what for what they're used for that doesn't have to be but i think they're like 50 or 60 grand for for whatever reason the the look of the amazon trucks like remind me of something that would be in Wally, like in the, yeah, it's, in, it's a Pixar vibe. In, in in like the you know the 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 space shuttle thing that they're all like in uh, having to escape Earth. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know for some reason I just the look of that makes me think that like that's where it would be. Uh, but and that my my issue with Rivian too is is the the the, the cars are just they're so expensive. Like that SUV for what it is is just it's so much money. Well, and also my my complaint against it, and then we'll probably on a slow week we'll talk about this. I just I really um, morally am opposed to. Uh, I don't I don't know what the perverse incentives are, but jumbo, ultra heavy, S, uh, SUVs and electric vehicles that are less safe for everybody else on the road. Like, how much mm. does a Rivian R1s weigh? I'm thinking over seven thousand pounds uh yeah i don't even know wow go, go me i'm a price is right rule seven thousand sixty eight pounds and that dumbass hummer ev thing is i think almost ten thousand <laughs> like whereas i even so i looked up like my car weighs thirty six hundred pounds even a model three weighs four like just for everybody else on the yeah it, uh, a model three weighs four thousand forty eight pounds like it's just less safe for everybody else on the road, and just American cars keep getting bigger and bigger. Like and it's just it's just a terrible thing, and people are using the the added efficient like heavy cars. You um, in like gas powered drivetrains, you couldn't you wanted the car to be lighter, even though they were getting larger. You wanted to be lighter because that was better for fuel economy. So now that uh, EV motors and battery packs don't really matter, cars are getting super heavy and more dangerous for everybody for no good reason but we'll get back to that well aren't i mean aren't aren't, maybe this is a dumb question but aren't evs heavy primarily because of their aren't batteries just heavy correct but you don't need to make a dumb car like the gm hummer ev that is unnecessarily heavy and dumb for its own reasons and has a gigantic battery to make its bigness doable like you don't need what is it like 170 was it it's not kilowatt hour however big the battery is like it's so heavy because it needs such a gigantic battery because the car is so damn big yeah well like and, and just because like i mean i think like the, the isn't gm like completely redoing like the the platform that all of their evs well, i think are that's built what, on well no that's that's why they what was it the bolt ev is like the last car they've ever made 
that uses like now that now that they're on board with like oh nobody actually uh carplay is not an important feature to people and also uh yeah we're we're changing i think it's called luna they're changing the entire battery cell yeah structures they're they're redoing everything right and the net result of that is we're getting the hummer ev and the hummer pickup yeah um Speaking of no CarPlay, I mean that, that's another issue with Rivian, right? Don't they do the the Tesla thing and glass yeah. houses, glass houses? What do you mean? Your car doesn't have CarPlay? No, I know, and that's that's dumb. I, I've well, yeah, but that, that's a hallmark that of EVs. That's a that's a hallmark of EVs, I guess. Well, I think it's it's just Tesla and Rivian, right? Like everybody else <sighs> does the the another terribly ugly car. Does the Mercedes EQS? Are they? I think yeah. I think, Android I think, Auto only? No, I think I think they all have CarPlay. I think Rivian and um, Tesla are kind of the only. Well, I mean, obviously GM going forward, but I, th- I think Rivian and Tesla are kind of currently the only two that don't. I feel like Rivian wouldn't have like a moral or like religious um, uh, position against CarPlay. It feels like more of an oversight. Have they ever has have they ever been like asked about it and they made an on the record comment about why they don't? They have been, yeah. And I think the answer is like we think we make good software. You don't, or which which I mean, I, I, made the last twenty four hours. I've well, I was I didn't mean that. Uh, also, like I'm not a big YouTube guy, but there are two great YouTube. So first, like MKBHD, and also uh, there's a guy named Doug Demuro. I, I assume you have at least heard of him. He does very good car reviews, and he's he's uh, reviewed the R1s and the R1t, and yeah, the software, eh, doesn't doesn't it's it's not like Nissan or like Ford Sync level of bad, but it's not it's certainly not great, right? All right, we're actually probably gonna have just maybe just have an all follow up episode, I guess. Uh, so it's been two weeks since we talked about the spooky fast, scary fast, whatever it was called, Apple event, and I think there were two big things on that i want to know what you want to talk about first uh the uh the shot did we did we talk i i think we did and i and i gave a take that has been made on the internet a few times and people have differing opinions on so there was the whole at the very end of the event there was the slide that said this entire event was shot on the iphone 15 pro max and then there's actually two other mini topics which is that there is not going to be a 27 inch imac and uh, just what is up with the MacBook Pro? So which which do we do first? Uh, we we can do the the shot on iPhone thing first. Okay, so two weeks ago when we talked about that, I think I gave a I think I had the correct take because on, on the internet people have had different takes. So people who are like, oh my god, that's amazing! They did it all on an iPhone. Wow! And then there were people who gave really flippant takes of being like oh, you shot on an iPhone? Then why do you have all that other stuff there? And I don't think that's a take that I made. I think I said that, sure, it is even like since the 12 Pro, the iPhone has had has been like one of the best consumer video cameras you can possibly get. Like since the 13 Pro, like it's been fantastic. Like even if you don't use action mode, like the optical image stabilization and the exposure choices and the smart hdr stuff like the uh, the iphone is a fantastic video camera and that pains me to say because like i will every once in a while try video on my full frame cameras and 
unless it's on a gimbal or you have like the world's steadiest hands or it's just literally on a tripod, like the video is shaky as hell. Like it, it the I I respect anybody who's making video on a Sony camera because it's uh, there's a lot of work you have to do to make it look good. But no, iPhones are great. My point was that sure the iPhone is what recorded the video, but you also have 20 people working on the set, uh, tens of thousands or if not hundreds of thousands of lighting, professional lighting equipment, everything to make it look great. So I feel like just saying this event shot on iPhone was kind of like it was kind of supposed to be like this like drop the mic flex and i don't think that's the full story but then apple did release like a whole video and i I didn't end up watching it i just saw screenshots and stuff like it was a 10 minute video on youtube being like oh here's how we did it and then you see all the equipment in the background and like that's supporting evidence of what it was and i do think that like it's a way of saying the iPhone is an impressive camera and has a great sensor and can make great things. But I think just saying shot on iPhone is too simplistic. So anyway, both of the competing takes are wrong and mine was right, which is that saying that, oh, this is dumb, look at all this other stuff is inaccurate and reductive, but also acting like this is something that almost anybody else could get out of their handheld device is also not accurate so I, I, again this is just me defending my take of that i was right so it's product marketing i think having a strong take one way or the other about product marketing is probably not a best use of anybody's time so anybody getting fired up one way or the other about this i would probably advise them to, to direct their energy elsewhere um I actually do think that it's neat that Apple put the behind the scenes video out. Again, it's marketing, so take it for what it is. But I, I actually do think it's kind of a neat little three minute video, and then they, you know, did a, they released a little article with some photos as well. Um, my actually my biggest takeaway from watching that little behind the scenes video is just as, as somebody who really doesn't know anything about you know prof- professional, um, you know, video making filmmaking there's just there's so many people involved and there's so much (laughs) equipment involved for like when you think about iphone or you know apple presentations sort of in the covid and post-covid era they're not the most complicated looking seemingly right like there are a lot of just Mm -hmm. sort of like shots of people standing still in front of a screen or in front of a picturesque background or an apple park somewhere like whatever um and that's you know that's what this scary fast video was like it wasn't anything there's there's no big action sequences or anything but even still like holy cow just so many people and so much equipment so it just really like makes you realize how much goes into making a professional film like this and it's, it's also sort of a um it's also sort of it's a good like reminder to yourself of like oh yeah that that's that's why my iphone or whatever videos don't look that way because i don't i don't have an army of 50 professionals with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment supporting me yeah so it it wasn't disingenuous and it was an interesting experiment or super super i I think it's really smart Eh. 
it gets it gets people talking about the event and about the iPhone in a way that they otherwise they otherwise wouldn't. I th- probably, but anyway, like I guess my point is just like the the two things that most impact photography or videography or filmmaking is lighting and like stabilization and like in range of movement and those two key elements were not within the scope of the phone like if you have like the phone in like a steady cam dolly and all this kind of stuff that you normally would have like a super expensive camera in and you have all like it, it again super neat really cool and everything but it's just the things that make that elevate something into something that is that professional and looks that way were are kind of camera independent still neat but i i thought the it's, one it's cool i thought the one point they made which i thought was valid which you'll find some way to push back against i'm sure was they made a point of saying like one of the cha- <clears throat> challenges with this um video in particular was that it was basically all shot at night like in low light situations uh-huh. and they were still able to use well, the but, iphone for that well but but it wasn't shot in low light well, but like with the like with with the event. with the drone like with the drone parts, right? Like those those were at night, and I, I'm sure they're still you know doing a lot of different things with lighting and editing and things. But you know, just thinking of like like basically what I'm thinking of is you know with my fancy camera, right? Like that's where I definitely struggle the most. Still, is like any kind of low or even lowish light situation, it, it gets really hard to. Um, to you know, get a get a good picture, and yeah, like like well, yeah. The, the picture that you're showing that like that's not what I'm talking about. There, there's other there's other parts of the video again, like the drone well, but, section. Some well, other but the difference with are pretty. But dark. the thing is, but with the drone, you can do so much denoising and post processing because you, there's not people in it, so that is much easier to take a mediocre. Like, again, I'm not I'm not pretending I'm not an expert. And I'm not pretending to be an expert, but like that that it's neat. I, I give them credit, and it's kind of cool. And I do think the stuff they shared, like if they had just said like shot on iPhone, and then maybe presented like just a tiny bit of detail, it would have been much more like it would cringe and disingenuous. Whereas they did provide quite a lot that that makes it much more uh, adds integrity and like it's it's much more like intellectually honest. Yeah, but still, yeah. it's kind of meh. Anyway. Uh, uh, I promise I'll stop talking after this, people. Um, so there's been a thing. So the MacBook. So during the Scary Fast event, Apple killed the just the MacBook Pro 13 inch. Is that just what it was called? Like they made when they initially did the Apple silicon silicon transition, they made an Air that was exactly the same as before, and they made a MacBook Pro that was exactly the same as before, and all they did was swap out the Intel chip for a m1 basically right right so so it still had a touch bar so they finally killed that they simplified the lineup so the iphone sorry the macbook pro 14 inch now starts at a very compelling 1599 price point and that gets you a base m3 processor with an eight core cpu a 10 core gpu a half terabyte of storage which is actually honestly pretty surprising because doesn't the air start out at 128 or 256 starts at well i i would know right starts at um 
What, gosh, I don't. I don't even remember what mine is. I think. I think it's one. I think. Well, it's they're one just click yeah, the apple one, and then. Or no, no, it's 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 two two fifty six. Okay, but did you get the base or do you get the slightly nicer one? No, I got the 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 base. Okay. Um. So yeah, half terabyte of space. Uh, decent CPU, all for fifteen ninety nine. It's a surprising example of how Apple put the user experience first and did not skimp anywhere, right? It starts with 8 gigabytes of RAM. And actually, even the 1799 configuration comes with 8 gigabytes of RAM. So there has been, I don't listen to ATP anymore, there has been a lot of, probably a lot of audio time in the Apple nerd circles uh, devoted to talking about this. What 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 is your read on this? On them getting rid of the thirteen inch? No, just the fact. Well, I mean it, that the fact that it is now the if you want to buy a MacBook Pro, the two starting models come with eight gigabytes of RAM. Oh, the the RAM the RAM piece. Um. Well, I mean, I'm somebody who is sitting here recording on a MacBook Air that's got eight gigabytes of RAM. Do we want to bring offline something that or online something that just happened offline? Sure. Yeah. What happened? Uh so Audio Hijack came out with an update in the last week or so where they've now got that um neat um whisper transcription thing built into the audio hijack, which which can take audio and, and translate it into text. And so I, I tried adding that to my setup here. And within, I think, like three seconds, seconds. got a um, application error message and audio hijack quit. And it was because, you know, my system ran out of ran out of RAM, basically. But I think that's sort yeah. of like I think that sort of like. Proves the point, which is th- that's a use case that n- nobody is mm. doing and the people mm-hmm. who. The people who know they want to do that or like need to do that for their job or whatever, like they're the ones who know that they need more RAM. You are taking the JSON approach, and I don't know. Oh yeah, no, for for sure. Yeah, I mean, eight eight, you, gig, you, you, eight gigs of RAM is ought to be enough for anybody. And I mean, and you like you sending me screenshots of your computer, like you are no no you are no, like the last I, thing no. from a typical <laughs> no. computer user. I am ve- I am. Joe, Joe, I'm an Amtrak Joe. No. All right. So a few things. So wait, so do you, do you listen to Upgrade? You basically mostly agree with Jason. Oh, yeah, totally. No. Okay. So here, I just sent, I sent a link. Again, I'm not the average user. And also, Lightroom is not like some super specialized application. Lightroom just doing almost nothing is using 9.2 gigabytes of RAM on its own. So my computer is 64 gigs of RAM, currently in use with not a ton of stuff open. 49 gigs of RAM. Anyway, my point, so there's been a whole bunch of people saying like, so again, there's there's dumb takes on both sides. Not to both sides the issue. But some people are like, how dare Apple ship a product that's labeled Pro with 8 gigabytes of RAM? Won't people be disappointed? Or this is terrible. Look at greedy Apple. And then you have Jason refuting that take and he had a couple of things that I vehemently disagree with. Like I, I, so I just think how this should break out. I think Apple should. 
I don't know how the M3 actually works, so if this would even be possible. But I think if they needed to hit this price point, the computer should have 16 gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigs of, of, of disk space. Is that not probably a more well-rounded computer? Well, I, I just sort of like... I guess I just don't even accept the premise. Like, I, I for the overwhelming majority of people, like overwhelming majority, people don't need a MacBook Pro. So the, like the, the, Mac, sure. the MacBook Air is more, more than sufficient. And then for the people who fall into that very, very, very small subset of people where a MacBook Air isn't enough, those are exactly the type of people who know exactly the amount of ram they need exactly how much storage they need so like who cares what apple's like starting prices or what their base config is like you just base ignore that because you you already know exactly what you need so you'll just buy what you need and so like why why does apple providing other options even bother you like i don't i don't get it this is i can't tell if you're trolling me no i'm i'm, I'm not i'm really not I, I, I most, I agreed with the first half of what you said, which is, yeah, like most people, most people don't need a MacBook Pro. Most people don't need 32 or 64 gigs of RAM. I do think eight gigs is kind of tight for a lot of people, but the MacBook Air, like, no, that's precisely the point. I think that is actually, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's fine for the entry level MacBook Air to come with eight gigabytes of RAM. A pro product probably less so because the whole point like i think the that example would be what if the iphone 15 pro started with 32 gigs of memory would that be okay and is it on the customer to not to not make the wrong choice because that feels like the same thing to me well but but no it's not because an iphone with 32 gigs of, of memory really would not be usable, I think, for a majority of Why? people. But, but you just you just have a couple of Safari tabs open, you're, you're texting your friends, maybe taking a photo or two, 32 gigs is plenty. Well, you should know you need more. I mean, come on. Like, your iPhone is your, basically your entire photo library, it's your music library, it, it's, it's a bunch of different stuff, where 32 gigs of, of memory, of, of storage is not going to be enough. Whereas, like you, like you, you said something in there about eight gigabytes of RAM being tight for a lot of people. Like, I think that's wrong. I, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think the huge majority of everyday computer users can get by with eight gigabytes or maybe even a little less of RAM, no problem. And most people could get by with the air. No, I. But again, we agree on that. We absolutely agree on that. My point is the product that's labeled Pro. Again, I know in Apple land, the word Pro means almost nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, what, 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 is it, what is an iPhone Pro? I mean, it, it's, it's all, again, this is people getting upset about product marketing, which, which is just, I don't know, a, 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 a kind of a weird thing to, to, to decide to get worked up about. But. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not upset. I am just, I'm, I'm actually upset or I'm irritated by jason's get jason reflexively being upset at people that are upset about something else well he, he because his, he tends to do that. because his point and here's the thing and i i i i disagree with you but i think you're making a much more nuanced point 
his point and this is the part that real like that kind of like made me like in in the car be like no that's that's horseshit when he he said something along the lines of apple people are getting mad at apple for not allowing people the ability to make bad decisions or something he said that like apple should not be in the business of telling people that they're too stupid to choose the right amount of ram did he not say that uh, if you're talking, I haven't listened to this week's. So okay, he he basically no. Please listen, and then we'll circle back in two in two weeks. But he he said something like, a- "Apple should not be on the hook for, like, you should not. What? How did he say? It? Like, you should not be so dismissive of a user's like a uh, responsibility to know how much they need. And it's not Apple's job to decide that their users are too dumb to choose the right amount of RAM." So therefore, it's irrelevant to hope that Apple would make the right choices or the 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 the, the, the correct like starting configurations. Because my point is not that Apple should, because this is the, sorry, this is the other part that he said, which is that like Apple should be giving everybody an, like the people that are being whiners and complainers about this think that Apple should be giving them a twelve hundred dollar computer with an M three Max in it. I don't think that's what anybody's saying. My point is that if you're marketing a product that is called the MacBook Pro and is supposed to be that step up from the air, then you don't need to have a 1599 configuration. The 1999 configuration that has 18, again, the M3 situation is weird, so it's not multiples of two. It's got 18 gigs of RAM and 512. That should be the starting configuration. Why not? Like if somebody wants less, like the MacBook Air is a completely like I just literally actually don't get the point of what the 1599 MacBook Pro does. Like why would you buy that? Why at that point why wouldn't you get an Air? What well, so that, what does the Pro offer? I guess I I actually don't know at that point. I mean that that, that I think is actually like a a really fair thing to question which which is which is basically just like who who is that machine for? And I, I guess the answer is the same as what that 13-inch MacBook Pro was for, which is like corporate buyers who, for whatever reason, like have a policy where they're, you know, not going to buy anything except a machine that's labeled for professional users, and then also some number of consumers who just for whatever you know reason feel like they need Pro in the name of the product that they're buying. So I, I I guess it's I guess it's for those people, and Apple will you know happily take the however many hundreds of dollars more they're paying compared to a MacBook Air if if people want to to do that. And I mean in in fairness, like this machine also does have you know a significantly nicer screen. It's got like the HDMI port, um, but it but it loses it. it- it loses the third USB C port. I think. Well, no, but so. I'm t- I, but I mean compared to the Air. Sure, Dude, that's what I'm saying. I think because the Air has two ports, right? Yeah, and so does the that weird entry level Pro. Right. So you're not losing anything. It's just the same. Well, <laughs> anyway, I I just think I think the whole discourse is silly. I think I Apple makes premium things especially in the pro line like that's why they're able to the start the the the, the starting or the, the price of entry for one of their pro phones is a thousand dollars like at that point you make some informed decisions about what should be like the appropriate start like this feels like the basic economy of, of laptops 
in this regard. Like you're you're taking away things that you that should be just kind of standard for that, and then you're having to pay for up until until you get to the 19.99 price point, then you get economy plus. Like it's just it's it's not it's just not good. And I just think the again, you listen to the show and you t- you tell me. I just think his his ref- refutation of it was just felt like it was in bad faith. Like no nobody who's arguing this says that Apple needs to make these like Dell Inspiron laptop prices. Like you should be getting the best of the best for six ninety nine. No, but nobody is clamoring for that. They're just saying a product marketed as Pro should probably have enough RAM to be able to open Lightroom and not have it not open. Because all, all, all like the images of what these pro laptops are doing on this product page suggest that you're doing things that would probably struggle on 8 gigs of RAM. You've got Photoshop CS or Photoshop 2023 on here. You got, a, you got AI models. You have brain scans. You have all this stuff. People are doing all these things that would absolutely not work on 8 gigs of RAM. That's it. <sighs> All right. And then there's no 27-inch I, uh, iMac, and Apple did that to put salt in the wounds of the fact that I'm on the hook for a dinner. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't typically do any homework for the show, but I, I did finally get around to something I've been... You, you came with receipts. ...meaning to do for a little while. Um, and I'll, I'll put a... I'll put a link to this in the notes, but when, you know, when we made our, um, gentleman's wager and really like any time where one of the podcasts that we listen to speculates on there being like a, a bigger iMac geared towards professionals or even Apple putting in the, the a pro version of a chip into the, the iMac, which is, which is what our wager was about. I kept thinking like, like Apple already told us like, they're not going to do that. Like they were actually very kind of like surprisingly transparent when they announced the the Mac Studio and the cinema display where they they said that you know under Apple silicon we think that the future of professional desktops is and they listed like a, a couple of different things including performance and I mean connectivity and then the third thing was modularity and you know and and that like that makes sense right like i mean even as as you, where like, I don't think you describe yourself as a professional user, but you're like you're a you're a power user, like prosumer, like right, like with all things being equal, like of course you would prefer your display to be separate from your computer, right? I mean that's just kind of like obvious. Well, sure, but my pushback on that is that the studio the the they make two monitors. One costs five thousand dollars, and one costs sixteen to start, and has a potato of a webcam. That is that's too much money for that to well, be Well but the but the the problem isn't the fact that Apple's not making a professional all-in-one anymore the the, the problem is that their standalone monitor that's a somewhat reasonable price is bad if they just yeah. made a good if they just made a good version of the cinema display then I feel like that would probably be the and and I guess that like that's Deal. what like no d- absolutely yeah. so so but but I like all of the like continued speculation of bigger or more powerful iMacs like I just I I don't get it because Apple Apple already said that's not their strategy and like they said it in a way that they're they're not usually as transparent about 
But also, even if they didn't say that, like even if they just announced the Mac Studio and the Studio Display without being that transparent about their strategy, you could still infer it based on just common sense, which is most professional users are going to be doing things like upgrading their computer more frequently. So having their computer detached from their monitor is of of course what they're going to prefer. It's what I would prefer. So like, why would Apple make a professional iMac? I mean, the only reason they did before was because they got themselves in like this weird situation with but that's not deciding what not deciding on what they wanted to do with the Mac and then like kind of messing but, up on that Mac Pro. So it was like a weird set also, of circumstances that led to the iMac Pro. But not but no, no but no no that's not that's not what I'm saying. When and this goes back to the, to the laptop thing. I'm not saying pro for pro 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 reasons. I'm saying like the the 27 inch iMac for me was a as, as somebody who kind of a, a demanding consumer user was very good like i didn't i never bought an imac pro i had one that had like an an eight core intel uh sorry uh eight core intel processor and it was fine but like i i think people are saying that like it doesn't have to be an imac pro but it can be something along the same lines but so Somebody who wants a faster computer or even like a bigger display, like those are exactly going to be the type of people where all things being equal, most of them would choose to have a separate display from a computer. But that starting point is $3,600 if you're going Apple stuff. Sure. That's That's too much money. Well, but... I mean, you think you think if Apple comes out with a, you know, what they call like professional level or even just higher end iMac, you you, you think it's going to be cheap? It would have been what it was before, which is like a, the nine the twenty seven inch iMac started at like nineteen ninety nine. I mean, well, like but, if, but, but, if, but, but, if Apple we, had just, a thousand dollar monitor, that'd hold, be fine. But hold on, we we just talked about this, like the the twenty four inch iMac is something outrageous, right? It starts at like, God, what is it? 12? Well, I mean, well, you, you can get the, you can get the- Oh, don't, don't, don't the, say it. If well, you're saying it, the, I, the the entry level, oh, I, I just John Stewarted you. <laughs> no, it's not, it's nothing to do with like the, the memory. It's, it's, it's the one that's like, it's, you know, got the cheaper keyboard and it's got the the power brick that like doesn't have the ethernet port on it and stuff you can get that those, for those, those are those are pro features you don't need that <laughs> you can get that for 12.99 so i mean so so even that thing starts at 1300 dollars. if apple puts out a imac with a bigger display and a faster processor i mean there there's like a there's a zero percent chance that computer doesn't start for like at least double that price so anyway uh oddly the mac studio is still the best value in apple's lineup and that's a really weird thing to say well i i think the other point i was thinking about too when we were talking about this online offline is app i mean apple stuff comes at a premium like that's that's a topic that's been you know discussed ad nauseum over the years but when they sell something that's legitimately good I feel like you're paying a premium, but you're you know you're getting a premium 
product in return. Like the whole the whole problem with this discussion is something like the studio display is outrageously expensive and it's just not very good. So like if, if the studio display was a super solid product, I think everybody would be happy. Yeah. If app <laughs> I don't think that's an outrageous thought. If the, if their products were good, people would be okay spending money on it. I mean, you're not like, you're it's, not sitting there wanting a, like a, like you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy another iMac, would you? With with Apple being back in like the standalone display business, if I could get, if the options would have were studio display with a crappy webcam and a Mac Studio and all, and I spent what like, well actually the Mac Studio I got was kind of expensive, but if if there was an option for a twenty seven inch iMac with like an M three or with like a uh, the equivalent of like a an M one or M three Max, I probably would have bought that. Hmm. Hmm. Like I really love my Mac Studio. Like again, as we like fantastic computer, I have zero interest in upgrading this computer in the next couple of years. Like it's it is rock solid. Same thing with the laptop. I they're on the M3 already. I have zero complaints about this laptop. It's great because again, <laughs> it has enough RAM. But like, I still think there is room for an all-in-one desktop that is not relegated to the performance confines of like <laughs> being a kitchen computer for whoever that has a kitchen computer like that's that's, that's I my just, point it is especially when you're getting into that prosumer or pro user I, I just i don't know why that person would choose an all-in-one setup over having a standalone display and computer i'm not i, I really don't get what the benefit of an all-in-one computer for that type of person would be mm-hmm like, like seriously, I mean, like, if if you know, like, tell me. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what other other than like their desk being like slightly neater. Like, maybe there's one or two less cables on it. I just don't, I don't get what the appeal of having a all-in-one machine would be. It's it's all-in-one. Like, even even as somebody who's neither prosumer or pro, I'm just, I would say, I'm a more kind of casual user. Like I, I, I have no idea why I would want an all-in-one computer. Like that, just the appeal of that to me just doesn't doesn't really make sense. Well, I ran with it for quite a while, and it was a good setup. And I'm kind of it kind of missed that getting an all-in-one computer is now relegated to being very, very mediocre. Yeah, I mean the the twenty-four inch iMac is is okay. It does come in those cool colors, which is nice. Uh all right. I think a lot of the stuff we could probably push. Uh do you have any thoughts on Disney uh spending the eight to ten billion dollars to get uh the rest of Hulu from Comcast? Not not really. It seemed like kind of what they sort of just had to to do. I, I think the most interesting part's the part that hasn't happened yet, which is what it's going to appraise for. And I boy, to be to be a fly on the wall <laughs> in the room where that's being hashed out would be really, really interesting. Yeah, there have been um again podcast recommendations. I understand you're already heavily indebted. 
um, and you need to refi your your podcasts. But um, actually, let's call this the Chef Special. There's a a, prog- a podcast from The Ringer, and I, maybe it's from uh, Puck News or something uh, called The Town, which does extremely good uh, news uh, about the business of the entertainment industry. And also, Peter Kafka had had a really good episode recently about um like bob Iger's first year back and the ongoing turmoil at disney and kind of what what is just what's been the trouble with disney plus and their entire non-parks business model so those are both very um informative listens recently All right. And apologies to listeners for uh, some weird audio issues for a second. Uh, my headphones died, so that's where I've been a little bit jumbled. Mm. All right. Uh, eh, actually, I'm going to push all of the stuff related to... I. So I finally got an iPhone 15 Pro and a Series 9 watch. And to be honest, I haven't had them long enough to really be able to tell that it's any different from the 14 Pro or the Series 7. That might just be the case. So we will save that for two weeks from now. Um, do you have anything that's important to you or do you want me to talk about the Sony A9 III and then we'll wrap this up? Uh, talk to me about the the Sony. I'm interested to hear about that. So it's $6,000 because it's a pro product. I'm kidding. How much, um, how much RAM does it have? Uh, eight gigs. <laughs> uh, it actually probably does, but it doesn't. It, is it 256 uh, storage? Uh, it comes with no storage out of the box, which feels stingy does, for does, a pro does, product. Yeah, it doesn't feel very pro to me. It does. Oh, so, oh, so pro or whatever the dumb tagline of the 14 pro was. <laughs> um, so this is a very interesting product and I'm bummed that it's not my next camera, but so I, so you have the a seven, four, three, three. Um, so that's a 24 megapixel full frame camera that yep. does not have a very robust silent shutter feature. Correct. So, I my history has been I had the A7R3, then the A7R4, and then in the spring upgraded to the Sony A1 camera. And one of the reasons for that is that the Sony A1 um, is more of a sports focused camera, and it has a 50 megapixel sensor with a fully electronic readout, which means that you can leave it in silent mode, so you don't have to invoke the mechanical shutter that it makes a noise, uh, 100% of the time which is a great feature. Um, not for everybody, and it does come with a cost that makes it kind of a little bit price prohibitive for a lot of people who maybe don't care that much about photography. Like Because I think the A7 III and A7 IV have a starting point around like $1,800 or $2,000, which is a much easier pill to swallow. So the A9 is going to be one of the... Actually, I think it is literally the first full-frame camera ever to be released. And also... This was a weird announcement where they announced it in late October or early November, and it's not going to come out until like April of next year. So I don't know if Nikon or Canon have something coming out that they feel that they had to steal the thunder of or whatever, but it is going to be the first full frame camera with a global shutter, which means that the camera, instead of being limited to maybe like uh, one four thousandth or one eight thousandth of a second for photo capture it can now take pictures as quickly as one eighty thousandth of a second and if needed it can take 120 photos a second it's just 
kind of mind-boggling. It's it's going to be primarily a sports and action action and wildlife camera. It's going to have a price of six thousand dollars, and it is a twenty-four megapixel sensor. So that's going to limit its appeal for a lot of people. But the novelty of it is pretty cool because global shutters combined with AI focusing and um, AI HDR will probably be like the next larger revolution in professional full-frame cameras. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, probably not a lot in here for regular consumers and not much in here for me, but pretty cool. This is maybe a silly question, but like, let's say you're somebody, I don't know, shooting a sporting event or something at, you know, 120 frame, 120 pictures a second. Or, I mean, shoot, even half of that, 60 pictures a second. Can you imagine, like, what the edit on that would be? Like, are you just sitting Mm -hmm. there going through hundreds and hundreds of very, very, very similar pictures and somehow picking out which one is the best one? That seems... That seems like it would be very tedious. I yeah, I, I think about me like where I take even just like three or four pictures that are like pretty similar and like kind of flipping between those to figure out which one I like the best. Like multiply that by so, a lot. So that's <laughs> a really astute observation, and that's a lot of this kind of stuff. And that's actually one thing why like the A one and some of these pro cameras have have built in FTP technology where you can actually have it be uploading to a server or another computer where somebody who you're shooting with will like pick out the winners as you're live shooting. But this is a program that I have been that I, that somebody recently recommended to me. It's called Aftershoot, And there's been like all the debate about AI being involved in creative fields. And most of it has been related to things like Dolly and uh, other stuff where it's basically like aping the stuff that, actual like creative people have made like creative humans um and a bunch of ai like everything's these days is an ai company everything has ai uh series ai i'm sure this was it was what tim cook will say next year but aftershoot is an app that i haven't tried that will use artificial intelligence to do like automated post-processing like it, it picks the winners for you like it knows how to separate blurry or duplicate images for you so that you don't have to do that. And I think that's extremely interesting. So the next event that I end up shooting, I think I'm actually going to give this a try. Interesting. So yeah, Yeah. that, that seems like a good use of AI. Maybe still, I'm still on the fence about it, but I think like the stuff where AI is supposed to just like, that's why the internet's going to suck for the next five years is there's going to be so much stuff that basically you can tell was written by a GPT based prompt and is probably just garbage. And you have to use a lot of like mental acuity to figure out if that's actually the case. And if you're reading nonsense, but this could eliminate a lot of repetitive human labor. So that's going to be interesting, but Anyway, Sony A9 III is going to be cool. I look forward to maybe 2026 when that technology cascades down to a camera that I would want to own. But right now, I think me and my A1 will be happy for a very long time. I'm looking at this aftershoot thing, and the the thing that I was interested about it is if it does editing as well, and it looks like it does. 
So it, it basically See, that, that like no, I know you wouldn't like that, but it's it's almost like because I think I think the iPhone through like when you do um like when you oh. when it shows you like memories and stuff like I think it's doing some stuff where it's sort of like picking you know the some of like what it thinks are the best looking photos to surface to you, and then obviously it does all of its you know processing of of pictures. So it it's almost like this is doing something similar where it's like taking your your raws from your fancy camera and then kind of doing some like iphone-ish stuff to it which for a you know a more casual fancy photo person like me i I, it's actually i think kind of kind of appealing Mm -hmm. because because the reality for me is i'm just you know i i'm just never gonna have the time or the energy to like sit there in Lightroom for for hours and do a bunch of edits and stuff like that's just not that's not the way I'm I'm ever gonna be if I'm just being honest. Oh, it's so, entirely fine. Um, so you know something like this is kind of interesting. Yeah, so I'll let you know how it goes. I'll try. I'll have to find some event uh, before the year's over to have an excuse to do this. Um, yeah. Although after, oh, and the- after shoot, not who not not cheap, not cheap. No. I never already paid whatever forty dollars a month on Creative Cloud. It's fine. Um, and the only other thing is actually going into photography finances. Uh, I had been sitting on two, so I upgraded to the A1 in the spring, and I had been sitting. So it's all it's like it's often said that it's nice to have like a backup camera body if you if like for some reason you lose, break, or something happens to the other one. I had held on to before I bought the A1. I held on to my A7R3. When I upgraded to the four and kept it, I used it a grand total of zero times. Like, again, I tend not to break things and I'm insured if something were to happen. And uh, yeah, I never, ever used it. I even brought it to uh, when I went out to uh, Wyoming and a few places and it it, it never left the car. Uh, And then when I upgraded the A1, I totally forgot to try to sell any of that stuff. So a chef special, I think is going to be and this came from an Instagram ad so so thank thank you Facebook. Uh it's a company or a service called MPB. I don't know if it stands for anything. It's kind of it's like if Gazelle didn't suck, but it's all all they do is camera stuff. And I got so I sold the A7R3 for $990 and I sold the A7R4 for $1300 and I sold a 24 to 70 uh, lens that I had for 550 or $600. And I think that's a pretty good price. Like the A7R3 is a six year or seven year old camera uh, that I probably taken 50 or 60,000 photos with. It's pretty good. They just send you a prepaid shipping label. You throw it in a box. They send you an ACH transfer with the funds, no PayPal, no weird check stuff. Like it's, it's fantastic. It was it was super easy and um, no no hassle whatsoever. So yeah, pretty great. Nice. All right. You got anything else for chef specials? Or mostly it's, this year's chef special? Um. Yeah, we we can get to that. Um. I mean, mine actually doesn't require people to buy anything. Well, at least not if they have um the second generation AirPods Pro. Um. I've been really liking the adaptive transparency mode that they released as part of, I guess it was part of like iOS 
17 basically like a, a part of all the fall software updates have you have you have you been trying it so i don't have a head i don't have headphones that do that i have oh, the that's right. thir- I, I have the third gen airpods and i have the beats fit pro neither of which support that got it yeah it's so, it's um so like if you remember when they announced the second generation airpods pro they they had they announced um i forget what they even call it like they 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 mentioned that transparency mode would would be more dynamic to adjust to like like it would you know kind of um dampen really really loud sounds i think like in the demo they had used like somebody walking by like a jackhammer and it would kind of um you know dynamically reduce the sound of that while still letting other sounds in i in practice i never really felt like i noticed it really doing that i mean granted i'm in a suburban ma- neighborhood with mine most of the time so there's not like a lot of loud noises around um but but adaptive transparency mode um which i i, I am getting that name right aren't i well there, there's two of them that's that's what i was going to ask is it the one that allows you to have oh. transparency mode but not get uh deafened if like a ambulance goes by and there's like the conversational mode or something i'm i'm um I'm I'm messing this up now. It's it, adaptive transparency is the um is the name of what they um announced um a year ago. Um the um or I guess I don't know maybe this is just, I guess it is still called adaptive transparency it's just an improved version of it now yeah I, I guess that's what it is but anyway like now it kind of does like more like what i initially expected it to do where it 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 basically just tries to like figure out what outside sounds do you want to hear and which ones do you not want to hear or do you not want to hear very loud you know whereas like traditional transparency mode kind of lets everything in mm-hmm. and it, it 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 does work really really well it's like i'll notice like when i'm walking around the neighborhood here where with something like transparency if it's a little breezy or something like you know you're hearing all that wind whereas with adaptive transparency now you you don't really hear that as much and it 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 works it works really really well cool so what what are the settings like or is like how do, how do you pick what gets quieter? Is it just like you, a decibel no, you, level? Or you, you don't. There's no. I mean, in traditional Apple style, there's no customization <laughs> to it. It's it's just it's using machine learning. I'm sure to to figure out what it thinks you want to hear and what you don't. So it's basically like a thing on like the Apple TV where it says reduce loud sounds. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, and, and I think one it, where... it also like I think it also amplifies like conversations and stuff like things that you things you want to hear. Well, but isn't there a separate setting where if somebody like starts talking to you, it like identifies that and that is a that's a totally separate setting. So that's conversation awareness. And what that does is bring the volume of what you're listening to down to the point where it then pauses what you're listening to while you're talking to someone or while someone is talking to you. And then when it when it I'm gonna guess that feature probably doesn't work very well. I um I've only played with that a little bit and it seems to work 
okay, but I I usually I usually have that turned off. Got it. Because yeah, the the media pausing thing. It feels like there are probably a lot of false positives there. I I also do tend to um, I think this is something we agree on. Where when you're talking to somebody, like you know, take take your headphones out. So right. Like don't get me. St- oh my. So like I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be the person who's going to sit there and have a conversation with somebody with my AirPods in generally. So, and, and, and that's, that's exactly what the use case would be for having conversation awareness on. So, yeah, no, you're, you're not a bad person. I, I cannot imagine like, and again, we talked about this, like at, at the grocery store or at Suvla or like just people who do not, whether it be over the head headphones or like, I don't care if your AirPods are paused, how rude is it to interact with another person and just leave your headphones in thumbs down? Um, so wait, so these only work on the second gen AirPod pros. Yeah, I think that's right. Do you, did this, did this feature ever get backported to the AirPods max or no idea? No, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think it's a, um, oh, it needs like the H2, H2 or the whatever thing. The, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, and then mine again, were MPB and I think I recommended something else in the show earlier, but. Yeah, but you can rewind, download twice, and juices the numbers. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>